your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Banton handed the ball, looking, bounces it in. Teddy Allen's got it, races it down the floor. There's the horn, there's the game, and Nebraska wins it. Holy cow! The Huskers win their first Big Ten Conference game on the road over Penn State, 62-61. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Gotta admit, I had some chills today. Purdue started spring football practice. No, I'm just kidding. College baseball, as Austin just told you, underway today around the country. Huskers two weeks away from beginning their season. I actually, Ben McLaughlin, pulled up the D1 baseball scoreboard this afternoon and checked it out. It felt really good to do that because it's been, it's been 11 months since I was able to do that. It felt great to do that today. Yeah, I definitely had mixed feelings today. I, I was really, really happy because I love the sport of college baseball. I, I've been doing a lot of work on college baseball the last couple of weeks, and I'm also really sad because the Huskers aren't playing today, and a preseason opponent that we're really familiar with in Oregon State, down in Surprise, they kind of share that site uh, with the Royals and, and the Rangers. Um, down in Surprise, Arizona uh, put out a tweet from their Twitter handle today of uh, the obligatory behind-home plate shot with the sunshine um, shining down on the field. And it wasn't that long ago that you and I were sitting in that booth calling yep. a, a Husker and Beaver game. And, 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 I mean, obviously Oregon State not quite as good as they were a couple of years ago with um, Adley Rutschman and that loaded pitching staff. But, you know, the nostalgia came, came roaring back today. And, you know, I, just the feeling that you get in your gut when you watch baseball for the first time and, it, it almost erased the fact of my excitement, you know, uh, of, of the day just because we weren't a part of it and our team wasn't a part of it. But, you know, it's great to finally have the sport back and, you know, to be following and having baseball scores and and all of it. It's uh, it's a really exciting time. And I love I love college baseball. I love it every year. And I just can't wait till till we're out on the diamond playing. A lot of cancellations for the weekend because of the, the winter storm that went through Texas and Louisiana and Arkansas. It is It has canceled a lot of games. But Arizona is fine. California is fine. Florida is fine. Some of the eastern seaboard, South Carolina, some of those places are fine. So there is college games going on. But a lot of people are scramble mode. I know UNO has added some games Sunday, Monday in Norman against Oklahoma to get some games in here this weekend. I'm sure they'll bust down there to play the Sooners. But it's just so nice, particularly when we're looking out our windows right now and we see up to a foot of snow still out there, to see green grass, to see brown dirt, uh, to see guys running around in short sleeves, shirts, and not wearing parkas. It's just kind of refreshing mm-hmm. to see all that. So I, I was excited today. and I, As I pulled up the scoreboard, I go, wow, I haven't done this since the second week of March last year, gone to this website to look for some scores and it felt good to do that and knowing that the Oscars are just two weeks away and hope you had all had a chance to hear our conversation with Will Bolt last night that we had here on Sports Sunday. All right, here's what we have coming up on the program. Cam Taylor Britt, one of our favorites, is going to be by here in a little bit. Going to catch up with him, see what's been happening uh, as the Huskers are about a month now into winter conditioning. They're still about five weeks, six weeks away from spring practice starting, and we've been told by Scott Frost and Bill Moose that we're all headed toward a May 1st spring game. Uh, So we'll just get the feel for Cam and uh, we got to talk dodgeball, right, Ben? I mean, that video that, that the football department put out yesterday, the guys having a dodgeball event inside the Hawks Championship Center, that was epic to see some of those shots. Yeah, you better believe that'll be a, a question for Cam <laughs> Taylor Britt um, in, our, in our chat. You know, I think that's just so cool to see kind of that behind-the-scenes things that go on. There has been – a lot of conversation with that word culture over the last few weeks uh, around this program. And, you know, I feel like we, you know, have access to the team that not a lot of people get. And I would, I don't even feel comfortable saying that you and I have a good feel of what goes on in those locker rooms, you know, in those four walls. So, 
to, for anybody to, to kind of have made up in your mind, you know, with any definitive certainty, what, what they, what, what's going on in there, you just don't know. And, and, you know, I think that's so important to have, you know, these types of videos that go out for those people just to see how much fun that they can have. And, you know, the team bonding that goes on and, you know, how, you can have a defensive back team up with a defensive lineman who has, um, you know, a wide receiver on their team too. You know, different bonding from different position groups. I think having that 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 a opportunity to really get to know your teammates outside of just who you're comfortable with is really important. And then the other thing that I think of when I think of culture, Greg and Cam Cam Taylor Britt, one of them why would all these guys come back? You know, if the culture was, was so bad and, and, you know, things were, things were really toxic and, you know, they weren't here for the right reasons. And, you know, what, whatever else theory that you're hearing, why, why would so many guys specifically on the defensive side of the ball want to come back and play, you know, just be, because a couple of guys leave doesn't mean that, your locker room's fractured or the coaching staff has lost the team or, you know, whatever other theories that you're hearing, um, I, I just can't imagine you, you've got two safeties who have families now want to invest another year in their life in a program that they don't believe in. When they don't like their coaches, they don't love their teammates, they don't believe in what's going on, the process and rebuilding. I, I mean, I, I just don't see how you can bat such a high average, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. If things were as poisonous in the locker room as, as what people you know want to believe in the last few weeks. So... You know, that plus the video that, that came out today with the dodgeball, I just – I think people need to take a step back and realize that just because you're not winning on the field doesn't mean everything else around the football program is bad. So, I it, it, I guess in a long way to answer your question, it was great to see that. It was great to see them out there having fun and, you know, getting some time out of the, the weight room, which you know is they're just straight getting after right now, um, to get out there and, and have some fun. I think it's really important. One thing that I learned on that video is that Mario Verduzco has no chance, <laughs> no chance in that game. Yeah, well, he didn't he have a backpack on? I think he, he had was a wearing ba- a backpack. Like, like imagine, imagine like how unathletic you would look doing anything, right? Like you or I, and then throw a backpack on there, and how how that would hinder you. So you know, I'm willing to give Coach Verduzco a little bit of the benefit of the doubt just because he's wearing that backpack. We don't know what's in there, but. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have chosen that accessory if I'm flinging dodgeballs around and having to to jump out of the way of uh, flying rubber coming at you. Folks, if you haven't seen it, go find wherever you get follow the Husker football account, whether it's on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. They go find the video. It's really fun to look. It's only about 40 seconds, but there are some hilarious shots. And the head coach was in there, too. He got yeah. blindsided a little bit toward the end of that thing. So yeah. it was fun. So Cam Tater Britt coming up here in just a little bit. And then in hour two, we only have a half hour because we are leading you into tonight to a top 10 showdown between Nebraska and Minnesota at the Devaney Center in volleyball, 7.30 for pregame, 8 o'clock for first serve. This will be the first test. We do not know what this team really is after the three weekends that they have played. They played teams in the bottom half of the league, and John Cook will openly say, yeah, we, we really don't know yet. We're, we're, we're fixing to find out starting this weekend because Minnesota and the next week it's Wisconsin, the number one team in the country. So these next two weekends we're going to find an awful lot about this Husker team. So uh, we only have a 30-minute um, – hour two is only 30 minutes for us. We'll check in with Lauren Cook-West to get the, the feel she has for this matchup this weekend with the Gophers. And we'll hear some comments from the head basketball coach, Fred Hoiberg. He met with the media today. The Huskers back on the hardwood tomorrow at PBA against the Purdue Boilermakers, uh, a game that will tip off at 4.30 at PBA tomorrow, 3.30 for pregame coverage for the Huskers. So uh, they get back at it today. Austin also had this, Ben, in the ticker that the NCAA did come out today and said they're going to allow up to 25% capacity at the venues for the NCAA tournament in the state of Indiana a month from now. Uh, Indiana University, which will be using Assembly Hall for a site, quickly came out and said, we're just going to allow 500. Well, that, that isn't 25%. They're, they're going to they're cap it at 500. Uh, Assembly Hall seats, I think, close to 17,000, so 25% of that would have been about 4,000. They're not doing that there. It's going to be upon each campus uh, and each facility to determine – 
the uh, the limit. And so that, that's the only one that I have seen that's come out and set a cap. Uh, I don't know that Bankers Life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis or the Dome in Indianapolis has come out and said what they're going to do, but they will be allowed up to 25%. Thank goodness, because at least you get the families in there that can to root on their, their, their sons and daughters and whatever the case may be. I guess it would be sons. This is the NCAA men's tournament. So all their, their sons and uh, nephews and whatever the case may be. So that that was good news to see that because uh, that's coming up. I mean, we're, so, we're three weeks away from Selection Sunday. It'll be three weeks from this Sunday. So it's not that far off before we hear the bracket this year for the NCAA tournament. So I'm glad there will at least be a little bit of fan participation at that tournament here in March. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously watching the games on TV, too, it's going to feel really different, you know, seeing the IU logo and the Butler logo at center court of some of these games. But, you know, given the uh, extraordinary circumstances of last year about this time, I think everybody just wants a tournament. I mean, we're willing to to sacrifice what's necessary to have this tournament put in front of us. Um, but having fans in there again, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun, right? I mean, you think about some of those tournament games, and you know, just the especially when you when you've got that 14 seed beating a three seed, and all of a sudden, uh, whatever I mean, a completely neutral crowd walking into that, they're all pulling for that 14 seed, and that place all of a sudden gets loud at the under eight media timeout, and they're really pulling for that upset. It just, it just adds such a cool dimension to to the games and you know to have some people in there uh it it beats artificial noise it beats the silent nature of the games that we've been experiencing here in the big 10 i i love that they're they're going to give this a shot with fans and the other thing to point out here greg is you hope this is the precedent setting for all championship sports meaning volleyball too in the state of nebraska maybe they'll let um the ncaa will come out and say that 25 percent of the population or the of the max capacity of the gymnasiums for college volleyball can come watch the volleyball tournament because you know husker volleyball fans in nebraska people in nebraska just like they do for college baseball will go watch a usc versus texas a&m volleyball match at noon at baxter arena they'll go do it they you know they people around here are starving for sports they're very passionate about volleyball and they will take those those percentages of of allotted fans and they'll fill them up so let's hope that this is applied to volleyball i think that that was my excitement today when i saw that wasn't so much as march madness but for the people here in nebraska and maybe just maybe they can finally get something that they can go attend in person and and who knows it might help the sport in the fact that you know maybe you've got a football fan that just wants to see sports because they haven't seen anything live in so long other than high school sports in the state They'll pick up volleyball for a few months, and maybe they'll gain a fan or two. So I, I'm really hoping that you know that that logic gets handed down to volleyball as well, and you know the state of Nebraska could could use the boost, and people can get in those stands, and especially when the Huskers are playing, to get a nice you know boost and and uh, support from everybody that's allowed in the arenas. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it, the 25 percent I think is going to be a low bar. I think it's going to be higher than that in Nebraska. I think I think it'll be not going to be full capacity. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's maybe higher than 25 percent. Sure, hope so. We still have two months to go, and our numbers with this virus are, are heading in the right direction. They're going down. I mean, and that is a good good sign. Let's hope it continues. Um, let's hope with each passing day, more and more people are getting vaccinated. I know today at PBA. They uh, they in, in, in vaccinated 4,500 people. So with each passing day, more and more people are getting the vaccination. And hopefully we're on the backside of this virus and moving back to a, a, a normal thing. All right, that's what we have here on the program tonight. 531-500-4686, the number if you want to dial us up with a comment or question or fire off a text utilizing our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Cellular Connecting Husker Nation. We're back, and we'll be joined by Cam Tanner-Britt next. Choose your experience with Woodhouse. Shop, finance, and buy your next vehicle in person or online at woodhouse.com. Greg Tribe, Ben McLaughlin with you Friday night, only till 7.30 with you tonight. Husker Volleyball will take over then a huge match, top 10 matchup tonight between the Huskers and the Gophers. Ben, Cam Taylor-Britt, one fun guy to talk to. He's been a heck of a player in this program, and I know he made a lot of people happy, particularly the coaches, when he decided to come back and play another year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, put out a video earlier today, too, of 
of his highlights. And, boy, were there a lot of them last year. One of the big bright spots of this football team last year in uh, in 2020, hoping for better things in 2021. Earlier today, I had a chance to catch up with Cam for a few minutes following his workout. And, obviously, started out with Cam with the important question, how did his dodgeball team perform in the video that we saw uh, earlier today? I believe we performed good. We we played in the championship, man. I, you know, I tried to bring the team to victory, but, uh, you know, it's not a one-man game. It's a, it's a team game, man. Our strategy wasn't just, you know, right enough, but <laughs> we lost in the championship game, man. How did the uh, how did the teams break out? How were the teams selected, and who was on your squad? Uh, we drafted teams, you know, uh, okay. so they picked captains. The coaches picked the captains. Um, so it's like two to three captains per two, per team. And uh, so we put the whole roster on the board, and we just basically, you know, drafted people, you know, first round, second round, third round. And it's basically off of, you know, accountability and, you know, just, just making sure somebody's on their stuff. So uh, that's how that goes. That's how you pick first who, who you can account on and who's going to be in class because everything matters. You know, if somebody messes up on your team, you know, your team – has you know to suffer those consequences as well, not just you. Yeah, what there, there's obviously a deeper meaning there, Cam. Of, about you know, obviously you guys had a lot of fun doing that. But what what kind of lessons did that teach? Maybe not some of you older guys, and it's hard to believe to say that you're one of the older guys now. But you know, some of the you're younger crazy. players, just about you know what 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 this is going to take to be at Nebraska and what your expectations are to be a part of this program. It's just you know I believe it's just everybody getting together as a team, man. Just you know, figuring out people that you didn't know on the team. It's a lot of us on the team, and everybody, I believe, doesn't know everybody. So, you know, we have the freshmen that we bring up and, you know, put on the different teams, and they just get to be around the guys a lot. Now I'm just, just welcoming them in and just showing them the, the roots and how it's supposed to be because, you know, we want to change the culture. That's what, that's why a lot of us, you know, came back, uh, you know, just to change that and show everybody, you know, how it's supposed to be here. Cam, you use that word culture. It seems to be kind of flying around right now. Everybody seems to have their own definition of what it's like in the locker room. Really, none of us know. The only people that know are those that are in the locker room every day. What would you describe the culture as right now and just you know, the influence that you and some of the older guys have on that group and, and what you're trying to establish in that locker room? Honestly, just a lot of intensity, man. Intensity in everything you do and, and just you know, be on top of your stuff. Um, most definitely, especially just being on time. We want, you know, to start off right. And to start off right, you have to be on time to your, your meetings, your your classes. You have to do things the right way in every aspect, not just football. So we just try to, you know, get the younger guys to understand, you know, we're we're here to play football. We are, but, you know, the school is important as well. And, uh, you know, you just can't let that slide by. So make sure you're on time to everything and, you know, just be very attentive. You know, and with that intensity, when we get into the, you know, the, our football aspect of things, you know, we just have to come out and, you know, give everything we have every day, like every single day, because, you know, we may not get that day back. Cam, let's talk about how you got here. There was some uh, conversation in the off season about decisions that you had to make with your future going forward and, you know, potential interest in the NFL and, and taking that leap. You obviously decided to come back to Nebraska. What has this off season been like for you and having to make those decisions and, um, you know, kind of put your best foot forward and make the decision that's best for you? Well, I'm going to be honest here. I really didn't have to make a decision. I knew I was coming back. Uh, I just waited, you know, and talked to my family. Uh, we we were on the edge of, you know, staying anyways. We were just uh, marking out the X's and O's to see, you know, what was my better opportunity. And we figured, you know, as a family and myself, for sure, um, that I wanted to stay and become a better person, uh, player, uh, teammate. Uh, just the, the best person I can be, and I, I believe this year give me a lot more, you know, time to mature as a as a player and man and everything else that I want to be, and that, that's why I came back. And you've disappointed zero people in this state with that decision. I think everybody's happy to have you back. Cam, you mentioned with your family, I've interviewed you a bunch over the years, and I, I don't know that I've ever had a talk with you, and we haven't talked about your family. What did that feel like for you to get to go home and and mainly your mom, to see your mom and to see people that you've been isolated from for so long in such a grueling season. What did that feel like? <laughs> like I haven't been home in a long time. That's what it felt like, man. It was crazy. <laughs> uh, I actually just got off the phone with her before we got on this interview, <laughs> now that we're speaking about her. But, uh, 
Yeah, man, it, it felt really good, you know, just to get back down south, you know, in Alabama. It's, it's different air than Nebraska, man. Like I said in different interviews, uh, Nebraska is, you know, is totally different from Alabama. So just to go back down there and, you know, just feel that culture of down there and just to be around my family, uh, it, it felt pretty good, man. Uh, I actually surprised my mom. She didn't – I told her I was coming. But she didn't know exactly what day I was coming, so I just pulled up at the house, and that's when she posted her picture on Twitter, showing that I had <laughs> I pulled up on her. Yeah, she didn't know I I was at home until Cinco, my dog, ran to the door. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man! I saw the picture, and I I just imagine that moment, and and for all of your teammates too. You know, they they went through it as well, and it was well, such yeah. a grind that you, you guys had to go through this last season. Speaking of last season and and decisions to be made. Cam, there, there, there was a huge day not that long ago when a couple of your mates in the secondary announced that they were going to come back to school and give this thing another run with Deontay and Markel. When they finally made that official, what was the feeling that you had and, and maybe the, you know, the mission on their mind of, of the unfinished business that they, that they wanted to take care of and really what, what they want to accomplish, not just for themselves, but for this football team one last time around? Uh, when I saw they announced it, uh, I was – I was shocked. I was like, ah, I, I thought my boys, you know, but at the end of the day, man, I know they want they want to do what's best for their families. You know, they do have families to take care of, um, and they want to do what's best for them. Uh, when they got, when I actually saw Markels, I was so excited, and and you know, with Deontay as well. But man, I was like, they they're not going to go anywhere. <laughs> I felt like that the whole time, but they they didn't put anything out, so my mind started going somewhere different. Uh, I was just so excited, man, that we get to go back to work um, with each other one last time. You know, uh, you know, DiCaprio, he made his decision, and I'm so happy for him. I, I pray, you know, he gets to where he wants to be and he succeeds in everything he has. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it, man. I was just so excited that we get to go back to work with each other and, you know, just show everybody, you know, this, this secondary is something serious. Let's let's stick with the secondary for a second. It, it was kind of a tough season with injuries with you guys back there. I mean, there was seemed like you know every the, the miles miles goes down the the Purdue game. That was just a fluke thing, and uh, obviously Braxton missed the whole season with the, with the shoulder. You guys were pretty thin there for a while. A couple of departures as well uh, from younger well, players. Yeah. What what's what's the feeling with particularly the corners? We talked about the safeties with Markel and Deontay, but. I mean, you're kind of the ringleader in that group now with uh, DCAP moving on. What what do you feel about the cornerback position right now, given the injuries, but also given some of the opportunities for some of the younger players? Uh, well, I just told I tell the guys, you know, nobody has a, a set spot. And I say that for myself either because, you know, you never know who will come in. And, you know, everybody wants to come in and work. Everybody wants to come in and take that spot. And I, I tell the young guys, and I don't try to be cocky or anything, but I, I let them know. That other side of the field is wide open, but this side here is not because, you know, I'm going to put in the work every day to where, you know, I will not let that happen. I want you to put in the work to try to get there. Uh, so we just really push each other, man. And with the back end, you know, with the safeties and things and the injuries, yeah, we, we, we did, you know, go down with a couple of those. But, you know, I feel like that brought us closer as a team and as a, as a group just because, you know, our brother went down and we had to go out and play for him. We had something on our minds so we can just go out there, you know, give it our all for him. Cam, let's talk about the strides that your unit took last year from really game one to the end of the season. We really started to seeing this defense make some good strides under Coach Shenander, and you guys playing pretty well from, from the D-line all the way to the back to the safeties. What excites you the most about the group that you have coming back on defense, given JoJo's coming back, Will's coming back, you've got a lot of stillies coming back, you've got a lot of parts and a lot of experience. What's the hunger level for this defense and potentially the ceiling that you see this group could, could roll out on the field next fall? It's actually crazy, man. You just took the words out of my mouth. Well, I could just say, man, it, everybody's hungry. You know, everybody that came back wants um, more, you know. Uh, everybody that, that came back didn't, you know, like what we've been through. Uh, we want to change that. Uh, we want to become better. Uh, you know, and also lead these young guys. You know, we're the older guys now, and we have to show them the right way. Yeah, and, and I think that that's something that's been interesting to follow, show them the right way. There's been a lot of adversity on the field, but – 
uh, the thing that that's admirable is you know you've got a group of upperclassmen that could have just rinsed their hands from it and say I'm done I'm walking away but what does it say to you that so many of your teammates chose to come back and be a part of this when you're not winning on the field it would be easy to just move on but they they they, they want more Cam they're coming back for another year it's just about the coaching staff man I can say these coaches really love us and they they I say they give us what we want man what we work for and they're not just gonna you know pity pat us and things like that. But, you know, uh, with those guys coming back, man, it's crazy. Like, so many have come back, and I believe it's just because of coaches as well. You know, and it, it's a family vibe. It really is. When I say that, I, I mean it from the heart because, I, like you said, I could have gone, but it wouldn't feel right with me just leaving Nebraska, you know, with unfinished business like JoJo said in his video, man. It's, now we, have, we have things that we have to get done, and we want to do that as a group, and we know we can do it. All right, Cam, let's let you go with this. What's what's the the mentality this this offseason, particularly the next couple of months? What's obviously weight room's gonna be at the top of the list, but what are you hoping to get accomplished here before the spring, both individually and, and as a team before you get the pads back on? Hmm. I don't think about that. As far as individually, man, I just wanna get better at, at being a, a true D B. Uh, you know, as the years have gone by you know, you can see the progress in it, but this year here has to be amazing. Uh, I want to be, you know, on my A game on every play. I want to be in shape. I want to be able to play a hundred some plays straight, you know, just to give my team everything that, you know, they want out of me. And as a team, man, we just need to come together and play as a play as one. When everything is clicking and everybody's doing their job the right way and playing full speed, you know, people see they can't beat us. When we play teams that, that lose to different teams and we beat them and this, we just look back and think how, you know, how did we lose to this certain team? We weren't on our A game. We weren't playing as a team. We were, you know, bickering and arguing about little things here and there. But, you know, once we, we knock that out, you know, we'll be great. Hard to believe that uh, spring ball's right around the corner. I know that the, the break was much deserved, but you guys are getting after it in the weight room and uh, and trying to get after another season. Cam, it was great catching up with you, man. I'm glad we're having this talk, first of all, uh, you know, that you're still wearing Husker Red. I, it's going to be sad to see you go whenever that day does come, but we'll sit back and enjoy the ride while it's here. Great catching up with you, man. Glad to hear you're doing well. Thanks for giving us a few minutes tonight. All right. Thank you so much, man. You bet. Cam Taylor-Britt. One of our favorites, just a fun guy to, to – I mean, it's hard It's hard to find a better personality, really. I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen him in person and him not smile. You know, obviously, on the on the football field on Saturday is a little different. He's got a switch that he turns on and on like every other competitor. But you don't ever engage with him and have it be a bad experience. And I think the teammates kind of probably feel the same way with him, Greg. And that's why he's – you know, right at the top of the list for hosting all the recruits whenever he's available on their official visits, if those are still a thing anymore, um, with with uh, student athletes coming to Lincoln. But just uh, just an amazing young person, and you know, I, I I will never forget when the coaching staff first took over that first signing day, us hanging around the stadium, and you know, we're we're breaking down all these four stars, and the one they couldn't stop talking about was three star from Alabama, Cam Taylor Britt. At that time, just Cam Taylor and. Um, just to what a what a good person he was, and he's lived up to every bit of that. And in terms of importance of, of who who is val most valuable on the team, top three, top five, slam dunk, no question about it, of what he means to this team, both on and off of the football field. I can't I can't even put into words how much his confidence level rose this year, Ben. Where now he believe, truly believes he's one of the better DBs in the conference, maybe maybe one of the better ones in the country. And the added bonus for me was. He became a pretty effective punt returner for this team. He had some really good punt returns for Nebraska. So leadership, confidence, and the ability to make plays, he, he checks all those boxes for this team. I, I think he him deciding to come back, and he told you, he said it really wasn't that big of a decision. I was coming back. And getting JoJo Dolman, those are two big-time playmakers that are back for those black shirts for the fall. Absolutely. And, you know, you're, you're going to have some newer pieces at corner this next year you are with, yeah. the, with the loss of decap and lose Lamar last year you're going to have some open slots there we had Braxton on the shelf all year with the shoulder you know you like yep. to think that he can come in with some experience and and you know at least give you some depth but um, you know with the safeties coming back too that is such a huge benefit to have a young corner have those guys back behind him you know to help maybe cover up some mistakes I, I it's just it's it's such a great thing to have 
all of that experience come back and coming back for the right reasons. I mean, I, I'm only imagining what those conversations are like um, every single day, you know, because you better believe if there's a bad day or you got guys slacking off, those guys that chose to come back, particularly those safeties, I didn't come back and spend a year of my life, you know, <laughs> away from my kid and, you know, away from a life that I could build for you to be slacking off in the weight room. You know, I have to, the, the voices are going to ring pretty powerful this year, I would, I would think. Absolutely. Great to hear from Cam. He joined us on our Sports Nightly Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. There is an update to the Husker men's basketball schedule. We'll give you the details next. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you Friday night. Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. Coming up at 7.30, pregame coverage, Husker Volleyball. A top five matchup tonight. The Gophers in town to take on John Cook's Huskers. Can't wait to get to JB and Lauren for the call. In fact, Lauren will join us at the top of next hour to give us a little preview here. Mentioned going into the break, Ben, that we have an update in kind of the final leg of the basketball schedule uh, for Fred Hoiberg's team after being on hiatus for 27 days because of COVID. They have released out the schedule. So they play Purdue tomorrow, 430. We knew that. Tuesday night, they'll host Penn State at 7. Next Thursday, they will travel to Illinois, a team that they played last Friday, took them to overtime, and play the Illini. So next Thursday night at Illinois. Next Saturday, back home to take on Minnesota. Monday, to play Rutgers at PBA. Then Thursday, travel to Iowa and finish the regular season Sunday at Northwestern. So this means Nebraska will play 19 of their scheduled 20 Big Ten games. They will miss one game, even after being off 27 days. That's a load of games, and kudos for Nebraska for taking this on and not doing whatever it is Michigan's doing. But uh, salute to Nebraska for being willing to, to jam all these games in here in a short, short period of time. Yeah, Juwan Howard asked at his press conference today about it and said, oh, well, two teams are just completely different spots as programs. So that that obviously means that – um, different logic applies to uh, to those made up games. So, to each his own. But yeah, I mean, you got to get a lot of credit to this team for just continuing to lay it all out on the line for forty minutes a night and playing hard when the ball's not going in the hoop or you're having a hard time slowing a team down. This team is playing really hard. And the biggest thing at this point in the year with the record with where it's at, you just got to show signs of improvement. You, you have to see the, you know, the individual growth from the players and that camaraderie continue to forge together. You hope the nucleus of this team comes back and builds on what they, what they made of this year. So that's the goal this year, every time you touch the floor, to try and get better, get better as a team. Uh, for Coach Hoiberg, start to see the development. We've already started to see it, Greg. Eduardo Andre, one of those guys that is starting to develop. Derek Walker, another guy you know who's obviously missed a chunk of the time being el- ineligible. But you're starting to see guys I- improve individually, and that's what you hope to see, particularly with the young players. You know, see them kind of turn a corner, and um, I think we are seeing that, but uh, not enough. I think we still need to see a little bit more to to feel a lot better as we propel into the off season. Buckle up and put the phone down. That's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Am I reading too much into it that Eduardo seems to be getting a lot more minutes right now than Ivan? No, not at all. And I think when you watch the games, he's still making plenty of freshman mistakes. The the reaching, the um, questionable passes at times, but uh, his basketball IQ seems to be there, seems to be in the right spots. He's making a lot of the plays when he's in position. And he's given Nebraska quality minutes. He and, and many others need to improve from the free throw line. But I think uh, he, he's definitely not a liability when you throw him out there. And I think that that's a reason why the coaches are giving him more and more minutes. And I think I believe he started the second half the other night. So he he's starting to earn a little bit of the trust from these coaches. Now he's fouling, and that's kind of a young big that you just get a little over. You know you have to be aggressive, and he's thin, so he's trying to overcompensate for that and getting some silly fouls and reaching fouls. But you can't teach his length, and I like his touch. It seems like he has a little bit of touch inside that's pretty impressive to, to, to see all that happening. So I'm impressed with him and continue. I want to see more and more of him. He'll get a chance tomorrow against a big 7-4 Purdue guy uh, that the Boilers will have inside. Just 30 minutes for us. We've got more important things tonight. Husker Volleyball is getting set for a top five matchup 
at the Devaney Center tonight against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. They'll play tonight and then Sunday at 11 a.m., a rare Sunday matchup for Husker Volleyball. And we're going to get you kind of a little taste of what's coming later tonight. Lauren Cook-West joins us now. Hey, this is this is it, right? I mean, this kind of been the appetizer the first couple weeks. We're ready for the main course. I bet you're fired up. I am fired up, Greg, and I am nervous. <laughs> this is a this is a huge test, and I just feel like we've been waiting so long. I mean, even though the season started a few weeks ago, you're right. We just had it was kind of those appetizer matches, and it wasn't against top ranked teams. And uh, Minnesota is is one of the best teams in the nation, so it'll be very interesting to see how the Huskers do tonight uh, against and, and even on Sunday as well. All right, six and zero. Oh, what what have you learned about this team through the first three weekends? Well, there's been a lot of changes. I, I shouldn't say a lot of changes, but there's been some tweaks uh, with Tyler Hildebrand coming in. He's changed some things from Nicklin's setting techniques to some blocking techniques. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's it's a very it's the same team as last year, um, except you're adding in Kayla Caffey in the middle, and then we've seen Riley Zoon on the right side instead of Jazz Sweet. So uh, there are some new pieces. There's some old pieces. Not a lot has changed, but at the same time, uh, a lot has changed. And so the first six matches, I think, kind of went as expected. I mean, they Nebraska took care of business, but uh, there were some areas that were exposed, and, and one of those areas was passing. Uh, so I'm hoping that, you know, tonight we'll see a big improvement uh, with passing. And then there have been a few times where just the block hasn't been as disciplined as, as it has been. Even though we're, we're doing really well defensively and digging balls and playing around the block, uh, I think that our block could use a little more work in that. That's something that will, as well as passing, that will kind of improve as the season goes on. Busy and Lauren Cook-West here on Sports Sunday. We're going to hand it off to her and JB at the bottom of the hour. Huskers and Gophers tonight, top five matchup. What about this Minnesota team? What, what makes them so good? There are so many weapons, but their biggest weapon is Stephanie Samaday on the right side. And she's unique, Greg, because she plays all the way around. So what in volleyball in this day and age, you see a lot of uh, specialists. So you see players who just play in the front row and then players who just play in the back row. And long story short, it ends up hurting players who want to go play at the international level because you, when you get up to the pro level, you cut down the amount of subs so you have to have players who can play all the way around well Stephanie Samaday is one of those rare players who plays all the way around and she'll hit out of the back row she'll hit out of the front row and they everyone knows who plays against her and who scouts against Minnesota they know that uh, Shaftmaster the setter is going to set Samaday but it's just so hard to stop her because she has so many different shots and and not only is she able to execute offensively but I mean she's getting double digit in digs uh, almost every match that they've played so she's their biggest threat uh, but then they you know they have two really solid middles um, with a lot of height they have another really good outside she's young but Taylor Landfair who Nebraska tried really hard to commit um, here to be a Husker, and she ended up choosing Minnesota instead. Uh, so she's another threat. And, you know, even though they do have some young players with Landfair and then their Sutter, Schaffmeister, uh, they're just really experienced, and uh, their team chemistry looks better than it did last year. So that that always helps teams, and they're just – they're really, really good uh, from what I've, what I've watched and what I've seen on video. Lauren, I don't, I don't know that anybody loves the, the back-to-back format that, that everybody's having to play under this year because of the pandemic. But this weekend, you do get the day off between. Talk about how difficult a change it's been for everybody to play somebody the same team back-to-back days and then the advantage of having at least a day between matches. Yeah, I think there's, there's I mean, pros and cons to this. And what's tough about playing back-to-back nights is if you don't have a lot of depth on your roster – you're, I mean, you're going to have some players who are pretty fatigued, um, especially players who are getting a lot of balls, players like Samity for Minnesota, players like Lexi Sun for Nebraska. Um, however, there are some positives when you look at it. You're only preparing for one team throughout the week. You're not having to prepare for two teams. You're not having to travel, you know, the night after you play. And I think with this uh, schedule this weekend, I know Coach Cook is not a fan of the 11 a.m. start on Sunday, and I don't think the <laughs> girls are too excited about it either. Uh, I think they'd rather be sleeping at 11 a.m. But I will say I I do like it because you're right. You get that day off, that Saturday, all day off. You can prepare more. Um, you can recover, do more recovery. So I think there are some pros 
even though they're, they're going to have to get up pretty early and, and start their game day routine uh, much earlier than ever before on Sunday, I think that they're going to be more rested and more prepared because they're going to be able to, uh, to do all of that on Saturday. You know, I heard, I heard Coach say that, and I get that. No, nobody wants to because you're used to practicing middle of the afternoon and most of your matches are at night. But there might be an 11 a.m. match in the NCAA tournament, right? I mean, as, as wacky as that thing's going to be in Omaha, I mean, there may be games all day long. You may have to play a late morning game, so maybe this will be a good prep for that. Exactly, and that's that's what this prepares you for. It's also sometimes in the tournament we've seen you have to play back-to-back nights. Um, so it, yeah. the back-to-back prepares you for the tournament. The early start prepares you for the tournament. So, there, yeah, you're, there are definitely some positives um, when you look at it that way. Lauren Cook-West with us just for another minute or two. We'll get her, let her get ready to get pregame fired up with John Bader here at the bottom of the hour. Lauren, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it yet, but Husker Sports Originals put out a podcast a couple of days ago about setting the bar, called Setting the Bar. It talks about the great history of setters in the Nebraska volleyball program, you being one of those. I don't know if you've had a chance to to hear it, but it is phenomenal. And boy, anybody who has interest in Husker volleyball, this is a must listen. It's just a great history lesson and an amazing position in Nebraska volleyball history. I have listened to it and it's incredible. And it just paints a beautiful picture of not only the history of all the setters at Nebraska, but uh, just what it takes to be a setter at Nebraska and how much pressure is on you and the expectations and what's expected of you and uh it's it's just uh, yeah it, i thought it painted a beautiful picture and it's i hope fans really enjoy listening to it and take time to listen to it because uh, i know husker nation loves their volleyball and loves learning and i i think they can learn a lot from just listening to that podcast and, and big kudos to josh hokeman and tim kern and austin orman they did hours of work putting it together there's there's mixed in highlights from jb back when he was a young man he's not this old guy grouchy guy <laughs> that you deal with now i mean he's got that young voice back in the 90s but it, it, it is just a really good and it takes about 45 minutes to listen to it and and you know it's no conversation with the cooks but it's really really good <laughs> i when i was listening to jb's old tapes i couldn't believe that was him i didn't even think it sounded like him he i mean he just had so much energy he sounded you're right he sounded so young and now he's this gray beard that grumpy gray beard yep. that i have to deal with but it's uh yeah it's really fun to listen to some of those highlights from way back when way back in the day great stuff hey have a good call tonight good luck thank you so much greg our text line brought to you by U.S. Segator. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers. U.S. Segator connecting Oscar Nation. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you for about 10 minutes before we hand it off to John Boehner and Lauren Cook-West for the Husker Volleyball pregame show. Head basketball coach Fred Hoiberg, Ben, met with the media earlier today. You mentioned the name Eduardo Andre in hour one about his development. The head coach was asked about what he has seen from his lanky, tall, long freshman. Well, I'm really proud of Eduardo, for one, for working on his game and spending a lot of extra time in the gym, working on his finishes, uh, working on his conditioning. Uh, he, we, we put him on the scout team to where he's playing. The other teams, you know, most teams in this league have, have, have a great big. So he's getting a lot of touches in that type of setting, and I think it's helped him. I think it's helped with his conditioning. You have the first team guard it, second team guard it, and you're getting every rep. And I think that has really helped Eduardo with conditioning, learning the league, uh, of what bigs uh, are going to do. And then when he gets in the game, he should know because he's learning all the plays uh, as we put the scout in. So, you know, the thing I really like about him, Sam, is how he's running the floor. He's doing a great job getting up and down. He's setting screens. He's rolling to the rim. I think uh, our shooters have benefited because of Eduardo's commitment uh, to rolling to the basket. Uh, and then he's made some really nice passes. You know, we're, we're trying to, we've done a good job loosening teams up a little bit uh, with Derek flashing to the high post with Eduardo, and they've made good reads and good passes off of it. So I think Eduardo's got a chance uh, with his physical tools to be special, and, and I've said that since we got him. And, you know, rim protection, we haven't had that, uh, you know, in the two years uh, that we're coming up on, but Eduardo has had some really good blocks at the rim, and, you know, plays that would have been two points or three on an and one uh, are now, 
you know, we've got that guy back there so we can get extended a little bit more as we move on with Eduardo into the future. Uh, and he'll play more and more as we, as we go down the stretch run. And I've uh, been really pleased with his development and uh, proud of how he's continued to work. Yeah, that's it's been really impressive to see him. And remember, you know, he missed uh, – he was one of the first players mm-hmm. that missed time due to, to COVID. So to see him put in that extra work. And Coach Hoiberg mentioned something that was uh, – something that, that it's pretty obvious. He will watch Husker games is how well that they pass the big men. You know, Andre is a good passer, but Derek is as well. So when you've got those big guys that are in there and can do multiple things as – opposed to just going there and, and clog the paint. You know, it allows an offensive mind like Fred Hoiberg to get more innovative and creative ways to uh, to move the ball. Now, while we're excited about Andre, one guy that's kind of hit the skid a little bit shooting the basketball, not his overall play, but just shooting the ball is Trey McGowan's. His percentages have really dipped off here in recent weeks. Some of it has to be fatigue with all the games these guys have played in the last couple of weeks. But the coach was asked about trying to get Trey out of his slump. Trey is uh... – you know, I think he'd probably be the first one to say right now that he is probably struggling a little bit with his confidence. And, you know, the things that you know, we worked this morning before practice, you know, on some things to get him closer to the line on some of his shots. He's shooting his threes, you know, four or five feet behind the line right now. He's gathering. Uh, he's had some really good takes to the basket. He just hasn't finished them. Some of that is he's gathering the ball a step or two outside of where he should. So, you know, watching some of those things. You know, Trey was probably the best player that we had going into the break he was phenomenal and he really I think figured out when to attack and kind of when to back off a little bit and get us into an action uh you know and then it's taken not only Trey but all of our guys it's going to take time as they work their way back into shape uh you know after the shutdown that we had so you know it's affected some of them more than it has others but you know Trey we still want him to continue to be aggressive I thought his two threes in the first half were right on and you know unfortunately they didn't go in so you know I think he was almost 45 percent from three-point line before the shutdown happened so you know it's just getting that rhythm back having a game uh, where he sees the ball go through the hoop and, and hopefully getting some confidence back sure like his game I love the way he attacks the rim I love the way he plays defense there's so much more to the game than just the jump shots when I when I watch Trey play that's what I'm looking at yeah, yeah, no, there's no doubt. He, he, he's he been the spark plug a lot for this team both on both ends of the floor, and you're just looking for somebody like that night in and night out to when you're on those those scoring droughts, you know, to get to the line, hopefully get to the free throw line, um, get to the rim, and, and hopefully knock down a couple of threes, you know, all of those things that, that he can do. Now finishing at the rim, you know, he would probably tell you needs to be a little bit more consistent and, you know, to get – a little bit better looks behind the three-point line but um you know he's a spark plug and, and you know you know what you're getting out of him every single night and that's 100 percent effort no doubt all right you and i've talked about this ben about what what can this team accomplish coming down the stretch here of this season they're not going to be in postseason the, the record's just not going to be there but what can they get done here in these next two and a half three weeks of the season here's the coach talking about goals for the rest of the year well, I, you know, the biggest thing is we're just trying to take it day by day right now, and that's what you have to do when you have as crazy a stretch as we've had. And, you know, you, you play the seven games in 12 days in five states, and as I said, when you have that type of stretch where you're traveling that much, you know, the first day you feel okay, and today, you know, I thought our guys were, were pretty pretty wiped out. Uh, you know, part of this conditioning and training to get our guys ready is to make sure they're as fresh as they possibly can be so they can play uh, to the best of their abilities. You're not going to be able to play, and I thought you saw that in the Maryland game. Uh, we were as poor defensively as we've been in a long time, and I think a lot of that had to do with just the mental fatigue that we had uh, with the stretch that we were finishing up, and we weren't talking like we had been. Uh, you know, we, we got lost on several occasions. Two guys went with the same guy. They were getting all kinds of looks, and you know, to me, the way we had been defending, that had a lot to do with the fatigue element. So, you know, it's about getting hopefully back mentally sharp uh, and physically where you have the legs to play, you know, complete game. We're playing a hell of a team tomorrow in Purdue and every game the rest of the way in this league, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be uh, very difficult. So, you know, we're going to try to do everything we can to get our players ready. The other thing is development, uh, you know, playing some more of the guys that maybe haven't gotten a great opportunity to this point, uh, you know, to hopefully see what we have going into next year. 
you know, that's going to be an important part of our future. I feel great about our future with our recruiting class, uh, you know, with some of the players, uh, you know, that, that certainly will be back, uh, you know, going into next year, you know, with Bryce, uh, Bryce McGowan's, uh, with Wilhelm Breidenbach and with Keisha. I think we got three players that can absolutely help us. And then you got some continuity, which we have not had uh, to this point. So, you know, with the continuity of the players that have been in it, you know, you can see we're getting a little more comfortable with it as the season goes on. Uh, you know, and hopefully that'll pay some benefits. But, you know, some of the other players that maybe haven't played as much. I got Trevor some, you know, solid minutes the other night, and he's going to, uh, you know, be in a position where we're going to play him, um, you know, to see. Uh, you know, see if he can give us what we thought he could when he, we brought him in as far as his shooting. And he shot a great in practice today. So, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue to hopefully get guys opportunities, but development is a big part of what we're trying to accomplish with the rest of the season. The development part is, I think, what we're all most probably intrigued with, Greg, to see what these guys um, can do on the floor from where they started to where they finished. And, and that's important. And, it's, and he, he mentioned another word that's going to be very important for the end of the year, and that's confidence, right? I mean, confidence is such a fragile thing in basketball as it is, but then considering where the team's record is, you know, it, it's really something that you want intact at the end of the year so they can enter the offseason with a good taste in their mouths. No doubt. Hey, buckle up and put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. we got a busy weekend coming up here on the network. We're about ready to hand it off to John Bader and Lauren Cook-West for this top five matchup between the Huskers and the Gophers from the Devaney Center tomorrow. The Husker men and Fred Hoiberg's guys will play the Purdue Boilermakers at 4.30, 3.30 for pregame coverage. The volleyball second matchup with Minnesota is Sunday, and as Lauren mentioned earlier in the hour, 11 o'clock first serve, 11 a.m. first serve. So pregame coverage, you'll be getting, you'll be just uh, heading into church at 10.30. Come out and listen to that match. That'll be another big battle there. And then women's basketball will play Penn State at 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon at PBA. So it's a full weekend of sports here on the Husker Sports Network. We're back on Monday to recap all of that. I'm ready, Ben. Get my popcorn going here in the next 30 minutes and settle in and listen to JB and Lauren call a top five battle here tonight. Big time battle, man. I wish the fans were there in the arena. That place would be on fire, but we're about to find out what the Huskers can do. Big match tonight. Sure would be. As I mentioned with Lauren, it's kind of been the appetizers the first three weekends. Now we're to the main course. Gophers this weekend, Badgers next weekend. We're going to find out a lot about Husker volleyball here in the next two weeks. That'll put a wrap on tonight's show. Thanks to Ben, to Austin, and to all of you for listening tonight. Enjoy some Husker volleyball coming your way next.